You're listening to a podcast from the Journal of the American Association of Nurse Practitioners. I'm Kim Curry, Editor-in-Chief of the Journal. Welcome to Here's the Issue, featuring highlights from our November 2022 issue of the Journal. This is a themed issue focusing on nurse practitioner education. In addition to hearing from one of the editors of this issue, Dr. Rod Hicks, you'll hear an interview with two authors from one of the features in the issue. I hope you enjoy it. Hello, my name is Rod Hicks. I am pleased to discuss the November 2022 issue of the Journal of the American Association of Nurse Practitioners. I had the privilege of working with two of my colleagues, Dr. Judy Bird, Clinical Professor Emerita of the University of Arizona, and Dr. Mary Ellen Roberts, Director of the DNP Program at Seton Hall University in curating this edition. The focus of this edition was on topics we believed to be highly relevant for APRN education. Let's face it, NP schools prepared all of us for an entry to practice position and allowed us to enter the workforce. What we learn after entering the workforce is just as important as to what we learned during NP school. Another fact, opportunities for practice today are different from when some of us graduated from NP school. The topics we picked for this edition are in this latter topic, skills and tools we wished we would have had in NP school. The implications of these articles are simple. Practice needs to influence the NP educational process. Our major topics from the curated articles include knowledge and skills about telehealth. The COVID-19 pandemic ushered in a dramatically different change in healthcare delivery, a change that forced many of us to obtain new competencies and skills. Authors Barrier and Hellier described how they integrated telehealth competencies through simulation. Such an approach would be a low cost method to enhance NP education. Skeek highlighted the fact that telehealth companies could begin to emerge as early as the health assessment course, thus allowing the NP student to continue to build across the remainder of the curriculum. Callaway and colleagues expanded our coverage of telehealth by demonstrating its value in tele-mental health. These authors gathered perceptions of students and preceptors about the efficacy and barriers to a successful telemental health health experience. We also include an article about postgraduate orientation and training. The value of the article by Reddy and colleagues lies in the programmatic taxonomy of the terms associated with postgraduate training. The current landscapes uses terms that might need to be clarified with other disciplines or the terms fail to convey the expertise of the individual entering the workforce. The authors have given us three terms to consider, residency, fellowship, other postgraduate training. An exciting value add of this article is that the AANPCE Center is offering CE for the article. Another area we explored was barriers to precepting. 
Preceptors are one of the foundations of successful NP education. The current work demands are forcing some of the volunteer preceptors to cut back in their mentorship. One of the most reported barriers was the lack of incentives to precept. This is a topic that is well known and only growing, yet many programs lack the resources to offer financial incentives. Interruption in clinical schedule and productivity were also among the barriers. The silver lining of this article is that practicing NPs want to precept. They feel a professional obligation to help the next generation. We still have lots of work ahead of us to do around preceptor development. Our final area is skill development. Here we included two articles. Tweed and Associates present a practical tip on shave biopsy techniques that emphasize hemostasis. Please be sure to check out the supplemental material online. The final article by Shanahan and colleagues describes the new medical decision-making guidelines that are incorporated into CPT coding. CPT coding is a professional responsibility and should be taught in the NP curricula. The authors describe their approach to teaching the concepts to students. The results were quite favorable. As with each of the issues of JAA and P, we have at least one column. This month's genetic column takes the reader through understanding concepts about next generation gene sequencing and when to integrate the sequencing into practice for clinical decision-making. On behalf of our guest editors, we hope you enjoy reading the issue. Our guests today are Dr. Candace Reddy. Dr. Reddy was the inaugural executive director of the National Nurse Practitioner Residency and Fellowship Training Consortium. Now retired, Dr. Reddy has extensive experience as an educator in administration, academics, and community-based healthcare and membership organizations. And her co-author for this feature article is Dr. Quinn Nguyen, and she's the equity director for the Washington State Healthcare Authority. And they have co-authored a feature article today, a programmatic taxonomy to define, differentiate, and classify nurse practitioner postgraduate training. So welcome to both of you. Thanks for coming to our podcast. Thank you for having us. In your article, you tackle the difficult and evolving topic of nurse practitioner postgraduate residencies and fellowships. You point out that these become a popular and growing foundational element in the early career path for new nurse practitioners and for nurse practitioners changing areas of specialization. The taxonomy you propose provides a straightforward and easy to understand method to recognize and classify NP postgraduate training programs. And there are a number of such programs, but there are three models of postgraduate training for NPs that you identify, define, and differentiate. The programmatic models for NP postgraduate training programs are residency, fellowship, and additional programs or that other category. So that, that third category, we can kind of think of as more extended orientation, I think, but we'll talk about that some more. So in a nutshell, postgraduate programs have different programmatic characteristics. These are costly programs with a variable impact on those NPs who choose them and also potential impacts on the public and the facilities and institutions that create the programs. Now, before we get started, I wanna point out to our listeners that the American Association of Nurse Practitioners opposes mandated residency and fellowships as a condition of licensure 
for nurse practitioners. Listeners can find a brief position statement that says just that on the AANP website. And AANP further points out that all nurse practitioners must complete a master's or doctoral degree program and have advanced clinical training beyond their initial professional registered nurse preparation. So they undergo rigorous national certification, periodic peer review, clinical outcomes evaluations, and they adhere to a code for ethical practices. This information supports the opposition of AAMP to a postgraduate training mandate as a condition of licensure. But today, we're not talking about the scenario I've just mentioned. We're talking about organizations that have chosen to develop postgraduate training programs and offer them to newly hired nurse practitioners. So with that said, let's get started with residency versus fellowship. I know some use these terms a bit interchangeably these days, don't they? So I suspect that we've all been waiting for your taxonomy to help sort it out for us. As you point out, there's been no consistent approach to labeling these different models of postgraduate education. So would you please just summarize for us briefly what you describe as the main differences between these two models of postgraduate residency and fellowship? And Candace, would you get us started? Yes, thank you, Kim. And what a great question. I mean, this is what drove us to write the paper was what is the difference? Is there a difference? And so we believe that the core difference is in the training program's breadth and its clinical depth. We propose that the residency focus on the general population foci identified um, in the National Council of State Boards of Nursing's APRN consensus report. You all know about those and that fellowships would then provide a deep dive into areas of clinical specialties such as oncology, palliative care, nephrology, et cetera. Both models, whether it's a residency or the fellowship, we believe should have explicit mission statements, explicit goals, um, and explicit meaning written. There should be descriptions of the learning environment that would include a written curriculum, a rotation schedule, assignments to the rotations, et cetera, and an explicit process for evaluating trainees, evaluating faculty, evaluating the program, and then also the requirements for program completion and duration of the program. So those elements are all the same. Again, the main difference is the breadth and depth of the programs. Okay, great. Thank you. Um, I think our listeners would also like to hear some of the things you found out about the volume of these programs. That's a big topic of interest. We get a lot of manuscripts submitted on this topic these days. So how many of these programs are there now and how fast are they growing? I know these are expensive programs to develop and administer. So how many are there and what are some of the reasons why they continue to grow? And Quinn, would you address that for us? Sure, absolutely. It's a great question. I love questions that I don't always have the absolute answer to. So um, some days the numbers of these programs keep changing so fast that we can't keep up. And currently there are over 350 programs that we know of. No one has the absolute number. In order to have a better grasp of the size and scope, Candace and I actually recommend that there needs to be a clearinghouse or a repository to identify, to update, and manage the list of the um, different programs that are out there. So why are there, why are these programs growing and expanding so fast? In my opinion, I think that there are two main reasons. There are others as well, but two main reasons. Number one, I think that the healthcare institutions are starting to see the benefits of a grow your own training model, even if they have to shoulder the cost. Residencies and fellowships are just perfect tools to train new providers to take care of um, 
specific patient populations in specific communities with unique healthcare needs. And studies have shown that providers who come from and are trained in the communities are more likely to stay with these communities. So you have better retention. And the second reason I think for these continuing growth of these programs is the state and federal support. So about five years ago, HRSA started to dedicate funding for NP residencies, starting with a $20 million grant, and it supported 36 programs throughout the U.S. for a period of about four years. Since then, HRSA has continued to release subsequent funding opportunities. Um, additionally, states are starting to catch on and realize that these programs are one of the best ways to address healthcare workforce shortage crisis. So states like mine um, are beginning to support this, these types of training programs. The healthcare workforce crisis is everyone's problem, and we need to address it. Yeah, that's a great point. And, you know, one of the things I didn't realize until you started talking about it was if there's about 350 and, and growing, we know, but a minimum of 350, when you break that down by 50 states, that's really only seven per state. It's so still, there's a very low percentage in terms of employment opportunities. There aren't that many places that offer these types of programs yet. But your point about funding is well taken. So you know it's going to grow because there's some funding available too. So now, can we get into that category just a little bit of all these additional programs? I know people have some curiosity about that. Are those types of programs also common and are they worth it to the nurse practitioners in those organizations? Candace? Well, another great question. And another one that we don't know how many are out there. You know, it's, a, it's we would love to know um, and we don't. And so, one of our assumptions is that virtually any healthcare organization will, will have an onboarding program at, at a minimum. Many have extended training programs, extended orientation, and we just are unaware of the numbers. Um, another reason we made the recommendation that there should be a, a clearinghouse to try and capture this information. But we, we believe that each organization should make their own decisions. You know, they know what they need. They know who their population, their patient population is. They know what the areas of critical need are. And it's up to the organization to decide how they want to address those issues. There are studies out there that have documented really great return on investment. Um, there's improved retention, employee retention, especially of new employees. Some studies done a few years ago showed that the uh, turnover rate for new NPs was phenomenal. And I can't remember the exact number, but it was distressing. And organizations have HR costs for recruitment, for retention. And so these programs, whether they fall into the additional category or the residency and fellowship category, really have an impact. The bottom line is that these additional training opportunities, whether it's an extended orientation, residency, or fellowship, it provides any healthcare organization with a proven mechanism for continuous quality improvement. You know, and the focus is patient care and clinical care, high quality care. So patients benefit, the employees benefit, the organization benefits, the community benefits. We think this is a really great thing to do. Yes, I see your point there that uh, keeping it local, I think, is a real theme that we're hearing. And mm -hmm. it makes perfect sense to me because it is the organization in that local community that knows where the critical need is for more providers, right? And so they, they could even have different types or levels of programs, depending on where their most critical need is to 
help ensure that people feel comfortable and are well-trained and then will be retained better. Finally, can, can you make some recommendations for nurse practitioners who may be considering an employer? We mentioned that not everybody has these programs, right? So let's say they're looking at all the job opportunities that are offered to them, and some of the employers offer one or more of these programs. What should they be looking for if they're seeking a quality program? Quinn? Yeah, um, I want to be really clear that having some support, no matter in what form, is much better than no support at all. So the fact that any organization is willing to invest in this additional support already shows a commitment to that workforce. That said, not all programs are of the same caliber or quality. As Candace had mentioned earlier, there are lots of different reasons for those different um, types of programs. I highly recommend that NPs look for accredited programs. Now, I'm not just saying that because I'm the chair of accreditation for the commission, for the uh, consortium, but I'm saying that because any accreditation, whether it's with our organization or any other organization, I think accreditation anchors the program's excellence and serves as quality control. So look for that accreditation seal. Additionally, don't just do it uh, a residency or fellowship because it's available. Make sure you choose to work with a community that speaks to your heart. If your heart is there, everything else is mostly logistics. Just want to thank you both for this effort because I think it contributed a lot. It's a pleasure to be here. Thank you so much. Yes, thanks for having us. It's been a wonderful conversation. And thanks to all of our listeners, and be sure and look for more podcasts from the Journal of the American Association of Nurse Practitioners.